I thank God for all who have led us so beautifully in worship today. We are continuing a sermon series called Give Me Jesus, in which we are looking at various passages in the four New Testament Gospels that teach us different things about Jesus Christ. Today, I want to draw your attention to Mark chapter 10. I'll read verses 46 through 52 from the New Revised Standard Version. And the title of the sermon is, He Has a Name. They came to Jericho. As he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately, he regained his sight and followed him on the way. Let us pray. Lord God, in this preaching moment, I simply ask that you would help me to speak your word. Help them to hear your word. And Lord, help us all to do your word. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Jesus came to Jericho, where the Old Testament leader Joshua had arrived centuries prior. The name Jesus is Yeshua in Hebrew, or Joshua. So he has the same name as the Old Testament figure. The name means Savior. But instead of marching around with a military and bringing down the physical walls of Jericho, as Joshua did, Jesus walks around bringing down other walls. He brings down barriers between the favored and the disfavored. He brings down partitions between the significant and the insignificant. He brings down dividers between the important and the unimportant. We can see these walls crumbling as he departs the city. A blind man is sitting there by the roadside, which would not have been unusual at all. Blindness was a common condition back then. Some were blind from birth, while others became blind due to old age, leprosy, trachoma, glaucoma, 
cataracts, optic atrophy, ophthalmia, which is a severe form of conjunctivitis. Ancient society lacked the sophisticated treatments of modern-day optometry and ophthalmology that reduced the number of people with impaired vision. Ancient society further lacked modern accommodations for blindness, such as Braille and specialized schools for blind persons. Regrettably, there was a social and spiritual stigma attached to blindness because it was often assumed to result from sin. In John 9, for example, when Jesus encounters a man born blind, his disciples ask, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born like this? The widespread assumption was that blind persons were spiritually deficient or morally faulty. Practically speaking, they were economically disadvantaged because blindness severely limited, if not altogether eliminated, one's employment opportunity. According to Bible scholar R.K. Harrison, the nature of society in biblical times was such that under ordinary conditions, poverty and hardship formed the inevitable lot of the blind. No wonder this guy was begging on the street. He needed basic sustenance and lacked any other recourse. He was marginalized disadvantaged and underprivileged. He was overlooked and undervalued. He was stigmatized and impoverished. He had no ability to see, no chance at gainful employment, and no way to obtain basic goods except begging for charity from passers-by. He did not have much, but he did have a name. Although there were countless blind beggars in ancient society, the gospel writer would not allow this man to remain anonymous. Mark calls him Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. The prefix bar means son of, so the name means son of Timaeus. Bar Timaeus, son of Timaeus. Yet Mark tells us both things at once, that his name is Bartimaeus and that he is son of Timaeus. It's almost like Mark introduces him as Bartimaeus, Bar-Timaeus. Mark is emphasizing the blind beggar's name. It's almost as if Mark is saying, don't think of him as just a blind beggar. He has a name. Mark grants him the dignity of personal identity. He's not just a blind guy. He's not just a panhandler. He's not just a poor man. He has full personhood. He has dignity like anyone else. He is Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. He has a name, and he's somebody's child. What's more... Timaeus was a common Greek name derived from a word meaning valuable or honored. 
This beggar might be devalued by society, but he has a name, and it means valuable. This mendicant might be dishonored by society, but he has a name, and it means honored. Mark does not want us to confuse the man's status with his value. By telling us Bartimaeus' name, Mark is signaling that everybody matters. Everybody has dignity. Everybody has value. Everybody has worth. Everybody is to be honored. Everybody is somebody's child. This blind man begging on the street corner, he has a name. It occurs to me that I don't know the name of a single lawyer, cleric, judge, business owner, school teacher, or government official in first century Jericho. But I do know the name Bartimaeus. How significant this seemingly insignificant man is. Mark is reminding us that those who seem less important in terms of societal ranking are most important to God. The person cleaning the room at the hotel, she has a name. The immigrant doing manual labor in the fields, he has a name. The girl nobody knows in the school hallway, she has a name. The guy mopping floors at the burger joint at closing time. He has a name. The woman living in memory care. She has a name. Her caregiver's there. They have names. The man driving the garbage truck. He has a name. The woman with kids in a trailer park. She has a name. The man residing in the projects. He has a name. The woman living out on the reservation. She has a name, the homeless man on the street corner begging. He has a name. Lamentably, socioeconomic systems across various geographical and cultural settings often lead to patterns of dehumanization in which certain demographics are disregarded, discounted, disinherited, or disparaged. Countless individuals are thus rendered anonymous or invisible or expendable in the eyes of society at large. But the gospel defiantly dignifies those whom societies dehumanize. James Enoch Banks recently served an almost 20-year prison sentence down in Texas. During this time, Banks created a men's workshop that has now burgeoned into a dynamic nonprofit ministry. As a former prisoner himself, Banks seeks to help prisoners understand their own identity and their own worth in God's eyes. According to an interview in the Christian Century, Banks said, I want people to understand that I am a person, that I have feelings, that I have a family. 
he added, individuals just want to be seen as people, to be seen as who God made them to be, as equal to anyone else they look at. Bartimaeus, it seems, somehow sensed his own worth, his own personhood, and his own equality with everyone else as Jesus of Nazareth drew near to him in proximity. For he cried out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Pipe down, man, the crowd said. Keep quiet back there, the crowd said. Shh, the crowd said, he has no time for you. Still today, all around the world, people don't want to hear the cries of the downtrodden. People don't want to hear the cries of the marginalized. People don't want to hear the cries of the underprivileged. People don't want to hear the voices of those struggling daily beneath the burden of poverty. The crowds would rather silence them. But Bartimaeus cried out even louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. He would not be hushed by the masses. He would not be denied the opportunity to meet Jesus of Nazareth. He would not squander his chance at salvation. Notice that he calls Jesus Son of David, a title for the Messiah, the long-awaited King of the Jews, the Savior of God's people. The blind man saw clearly who Jesus was, while many with 2020 vision did not. What Bartimaeus lacked in physical vision, he more than made up for in spiritual perception. Believing Jesus to be the Messiah, Bartimaeus cried out for mercy. This petition evinces significant theological insight, for we all need mercy. We all stand in need of the gentle compassion of Jesus. We all stand in need of his tender forgiveness, grace, and restoration. We are all deficient souls with spiritual faults and moral shortcomings who desperately need the mercy of the Lord, which is why Bartimaeus' cry of faith still echoes throughout the world today as Christians of various stripes hold prayers during worship saying, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. How fortunate for Bartimaeus and how fortunate for us all that the only one qualified to dispense divine mercy is so very willing to grant it. <laughs> Jesus' mercy is so eager, so ready, and so abundant that by the time we ask for it, it's already ours. Theoretically, he could have ignored the blind beggar's plea and continued on his way to Jerusalem where he would die on the cross. But he listened to Bartimaeus. He heeded Bartimaeus' plea. The masses didn't want to hear Bartimaeus, but Jesus listened as if his own child were calling out for help. Stopping dead in his tracks there on the road, 
Jesus says, call him. And the people say to Bartimaeus, take heart, get up. He's calling you. Notice how Bartimaeus' detractors have suddenly become his encouragers. Notice how Bartimaeus' shushers have suddenly become his supporters. <laughs> By treating a blind beggar with dignity, Jesus has transformed the way the crowds treat him. Never underestimate Jesus' ability to kindle compassion in those who would otherwise remain mired in contempt and indifference. Jesus changes lives. He changes hearts. He changes minds. He changes crowds. He changes communities. He changes lives on the margins and he changes lives of the masses. When Bartimaeus heard the call to come to Jesus, he jumped up and threw off his cloak. Now, this is no superfluous detail. The rich young man whom Jesus invited to follow him could not bring himself to give up his possessions for the sake of discipleship. But Bartimaeus readily tosses his cloak aside, even though it may well have been his one and only possession. Bartimaeus thus demonstrates that discipleship entails leaving certain things behind. Peter and Andrew dropped their fishing nets to follow Jesus. James and John left their father's business to follow Jesus. Levi abandoned his tax booth to follow Jesus. And Bartimaeus cast his cloak upon the city street. If ever we wonder why our walk with Jesus isn't as close as it could be, we might still be clinging to something that Jesus is calling us to lay aside. Jesus asks Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? It's the exact same question Jesus asked James and John. They said, well, they wanted to sit beside Jesus in glory, one at his right and one at his left. This embarrassing reply revealed their misguided desire for self-glorification and their earnest devotion to their own ego. How typical. Yet Bartimaeus had a different answer. He didn't ask for glory. He didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for power. He didn't ask for prominence. He just asked to be able to see again. And Jesus said, your faith has made you well. It can just as easily be translated, your faith has saved you. Jesus, the Savior, finally announces Bartimaeus' salvation. Bartimaeus had saving faith indeed. He had exemplary faith, for thereafter he followed Jesus on the way. This means he followed Jesus toward Jerusalem. This means he followed Jesus en route to his death. This means he followed Jesus in the way of the cross. That's what salvation 
is to be rescued from the dominion of sin, self, and the crowds and to walk in the way of Jesus. By the end of the story, we see that no one is expendable. We see that Jesus has allowed his sacred journey to the cross to be interrupted, paused, and delayed for the sake of a blind man begging by the roadside. We see that the blind beggar has a name, Bartimaeus. We see that he's a child of value, a child of honor. We see that the gospel punctuates the intrinsic value of each human being. Everybody matters. Everybody has dignity. Everybody has worth. It reminds me of one day when our daughter Nora was three years old. She and her sister Maggie and I were hanging out in our living room at our house in Tennessee. Maggie and I were sitting at the table where I was helping her with her homework. And I looked across the room and saw little three-year-old Nora pick up her mother's large Bible and sit down with it on a recliner. Since the Bible is rather old and has several of Dana's papers in it, I said, Nora, be very careful with Mommy's Bible. I will, Daddy, she said. Then I watched as Nora opened the Bible on her lap, stared down at the page, touched it with her index finger, and declared with voluminous conviction, I am special to God. <laughs> with that, she smiled and closed the Bible again, having somehow ascertained one of the foundational teachings of Scripture that everybody is special to God. I don't know if she was looking at the story of Bartimaeus, but she certainly could have been, for it shows that each of us is valued, honored, and special in God's sight. It also shows that each of us needs a merciful Savior. So let me say that if you're looking for a Savior, who hears the cries of the downtrodden. He has a name. If you're looking for a Savior who listens to the pleas of the impoverished, He has a name. If you're looking for a Savior who treats the marginalized with full dignity, He has a name. If you're looking for a Savior who attends to the cries of the hurting, he has a name. If you're looking for a Savior who overcomes the forces of dehumanization, he has a name. If you're looking for a Savior who changes lives, changes crowds, and changes communities, he has a name. If you're looking for a Savior who inspires us to lay some things aside so we can follow him, he has a name. If you're looking for a Savior who offers spiritual healing, He has a name. If you're looking for a Savior who calls us to walk in the way of love, He has a name. If you're looking for a Savior who loves you so very much that He would stop amid the many crowds just to attend to your needs, He has 
a name, if you're looking for a Savior with boundless compassion, He has a name. If you're looking for a Savior with manifold grace, He has a name. If you're looking for a Savior with supernatural power, He has a name. If you're looking for a Savior who will be with you every step of your journey, He has a name. If you're looking for a Savior who will make you see just how very special you are to God, He has a name. It's the name above all names. It is the name of Jesus. And if you call on Him for mercy, friends... It's already yours. Amen.